walking through the valley Your presence is around me Cause nothing stands between me and my God And the fear that was my prison Is no longer where I'm living Cause nothing stands between me and my God There's no place I go that He is not Where the Spirit of the Lord is There is freedom And we'll be dancing through the darkness Cause we believe it
Pastor Byron's going to tell you a little bit about what's happening here at Cross Point. Good morning, Cross Point. We are going to continue in worship with a few announcements this morning. We wanted to welcome you for those of you who are new. We're so excited and thankful that you guys are here. In the back of the chairs, we have a connection card. Before you leave, please fill one of those out, and then you can take it to one of those back to hello tables. And we just want to welcome you, give you a gift and answer any questions about the church that you have. And so please do not leave without filling out one of those connection cards. If you're new to the life of our church, we have something called Newcomer's Dessert, and our next one is October 16th at 6.30 here in the Worship Center. And it's a way for you to get to know some of the pastors and some of the things going on here at the church. And so we come here and have dessert, and uh, it's great. I mean, who doesn't want a d dessert? And so we get to answer questions and kind of plug you into what is coming next in our church. We also have a baptism coming up on October 9th. And so if you want to take that next step in your faith and publicly declare what Christ has done in your heart, we want to help you do that. And so baptisms are a way for you to do that. And you can sign up by the connection card also, taking that and putting that in the offering box. Our last announcement is we have a woman's uh, breakfast coming up with the pastor's wives next Saturday. And so that's an, uh, that's an opportunity for you to plug in into our women's group here, you ladies. And so if you would like to sign up for that, you can go do that at that back table or you can do it online. Now, I was told to tell you that sign-ups end at 10 p.m. tonight. So your window is coming to a close. I also hear that there's going to be games and some competition and some fellowship. And so you're going to want to sign up and join us for that on next Saturday. We are going to continue in worship by giving of our tithes and offerings. So let's pray together. Our Father, we are grateful for this time. Lord, thank you that you have provided so richly for us, according to the riches of your glory, the scriptures say. We ask, God, that you would use these funds that we give back to you because you have been so generous to us, that you would use them for the gospel, for gospel ministry here in Huntington Beach and throughout the world. Lord, thank you for our missionaries. Thank you for all the things that you're doing even here on this campus, Lord. And we ask, Lord, as we continue to worship you, that you would receive these offerings from us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Byron. Baptisms, October 9th. That's next week. So that's something that we are very passionate about here at Cross Point Church. So if you, like Byron said, if you have a desire and you are ready to make that public declaration, 
that you are a Christ follower and you want the world to know it. We would love to talk to you about that, about being baptized next week. We already have some people that are scheduled to do that, so you won't be alone. There'll be a group of you. And also, if you want to write it on that connection card, those are located, like he said, in the back seat of your uh, uh, chair pocket. And the offering boxes are on the wall on your way out, right beside the door, so you can drop that in there, anything that... You might have any prayer requests or anything like that. You can put that on there as well. We're going to close out with one final song, and then Pastor Jim's going to come up here and deliver the word of God. So I want to invite you to stand, and we're going to magnify the name of Christ, church. And I don't want these to just be idle words that are coming out of your mouth. I hope that they will penetrate your heart, that they will speak to your heart, and that you will indeed want to magnify Christ in the way that you just present yourself so that people can look at you and they can say that person is a Christ follower. I want what they got. Amen. Amen. So let's sing. Were creation suddenly articulated with a thousand tongues to lift one cry. And east to west, we'd hear Christ be the His name would burst from sea to sky. Rivers too. We'd hear Christ be magnified. Oh, Christ be magnified. From the altar of my life, Christ be magnified in me.
bow down to idols I'll stand strong and worship you And if it puts me in the fire I'll rejoice cause you're there too I won't be formed by feelings I'll stand fast to what is true And if the cross brings transformation I'll be crucified with you Cause death is just a doorway into resurrection life And if I join you in your suffering Then I'll join you when you rise If you return to glory with all the angels and the saints My heart will still be singing My song will be much that comes into our life by your goodness and your grace, and uh, we do pray that you would be magnified this morning in your name. Amen. Morning, everybody. How you doing? You doing good? I'm Pastor Jim. I'm one of the staff members here, and Pastor Bruce and Pastor Rob are off in Springfield, Missouri at a young adult conference, and uh, they had a competition. They called all the pastors up, and they had a Rochambeau tournament, and unfortunately, Pastor Bruce lost. And his punishment was, on stage in front of everybody, he had to get a mohawk. No, not really. I'm totally kidding. <laughs> I, I made that all up. And, <laughs> and Mike's over here imagining him showing up next week with a mohawk. So, shame on you. Oh, gosh. In the first service, I said he got a piercing. And in the last service, I said he got a tattoo. That was a bigger gasp for some... That, that was a bigger one, but... Um, no, they're off. 
having a good time out there with a few of our young adults and just catching a vision for ministry. Uh, before they left, I took them to the airport. Rob told me that they had over 600 young adults registered there. Um, and uh, so we're excited to hear back from them and, and see that. And um, something else happened this week, though. It's a little bit troubling, and I'm sure all of you know about the devastation that's taken place in Florida and uh, South Carolina, like news is And I don't know about you, but I imagine my there, and it's, it's awful. And I wanted to take time this morning to pray for that. But I also want to let you know that there is a um, person in our church. Um, she is burdened when these things come up so much. into these regions that uh, suffer such harm and help minister together with other churches doing ministry there. And um, for anybody from our church that might want to go with her. And so if your heart is prompted in any way to, um, to join her on that mission, uh, get, send me an email and I'll give you details. I had somebody come up to me after church last hour say I'd really like to go. So I know it's, it's uh, I want to say it's, it's like the end of the first week into the second week of November is when she's planning to go. And uh, they, like I said, she'll partner with a church there and some other people will come in and, and they'll do uh, cleanup and support work and various things. But I did want to take a minute to pray uh, for that as well. So Jesus, um, <clears throat> we're, we're really just blessed and grateful. We've had um, a really long season of not too many you know, disasters here in Southern California like maybe we've seen in the past, and, and it's awesome, and we pray it continues, but we also pray, especially um, now, for these in Florida and South Carolina and nearby regions that have just uh, suffered so much. There's loss of life, there's loss of property, uh, there's disruption to uh, so much of life, and you want to speak into that, you want to move into that, prayers going uh, to invest down there so I just pray that uh, all those things would come together to, to restore would be the message of your gospel that would get in to lives and change people for eternity and we thank you for for the opportunity in Jesus name amen in a series talking about conversations with Jesus and what we're looking at is not just direct teaching with Jesus but encounters he's had with people and um, kind of what comes out of that and I think those are great to see in the Bible because what we end up doing we get to relate to the person that he's talking with and uh, I think certainly that'll be an opportunity today I wanted to share just a little bit of background about how the Gospels work and in particularly Matthew each gospel elevates Jesus as a certain, in, a, in a certain role. He plays many roles. Um, he's servant, he's savior, he's human um, in three of the gospels. And then uh, here in Matthew, he's king. So that's what's being elevated. And then how things orient towards God um, and uh, it's also emphasized. So obviously in Matthew, the emphasis of what we're 
considering all through the book is what it means to be part of the kingdom of God. And when you hear kingdom of God, it's got many factors, and I can't teach you on all of them um, and, and really spend much time on it. But when you hear kingdom of God, what you're hearing in the broadest sense is being a, so, is, is being a people, a person, a people, a church, associated with God in every respect that relates to the kingdom, including eternal life. So when you see eternal life, in, especially in Matthew, it's synonymous with when he says kingdom of God. When he says kingdom of God, it means eternal life. And so it's everything that goes in there. And when you become a Christian, I became a Christian when I was 16 years old, about five years ago. And um, <laughs> always great to have my... Um, Okay, seriously, if I'm honest, seven years, you know. Um, <clears throat> that's the day I entered the kingdom of God, and even though I don't know it in its fullness, I'm a citizen of the kingdom. And the day you become a Christian is the day you enter the kingdom. And the day you begin, you have eternal life, it's just not your reality yet. And so what we're seeing in chapter 19 um, into 20, a little bit in 18, are people asking about, being curious about, being taught by Jesus about who qualifies for the kingdom of God? What's necessary? And this is the story about the rich young ruler. And we're going to read through it, and then, then we'll go back through it kind of section by section and, and look at what it means. Um, but you can try and put yourself in the position of the man who's talking with the God-man, Jesus. So try to relate to him and think uh, about how, you, you know, you might fit in the story yourself. <clears throat> Verse 16, And behold, a man came to him saying, Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? And he said to him, Why do you ask me about what is good? There's only one who is good. If you would enter life, keep the commandments. He said to him, which ones? And Jesus said, you shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, all these I have kept. What do I still lack? Jesus said to him, if you would be perfect, go sell what you possess and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. And Jesus said to his disciples, truly I say to you, only with difficulty will a rich person enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished, saying, who then can be saved? But Jesus looked at them and said, with man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Then Peter said in reply, See, we have left everything and followed you. What then will we have? Jesus said to them, Truly I say to you, in the new world, when the Son of Man will sit on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or fathers or mother or children or lands for my name's sake will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last will be first. And before I go, go 
you know, full focus on this lesson. I do want to kind of pick on verse 30 um, because it gets misinterpreted and misunderstood all the time, and it, it, it doesn't play into everything we're talking about today really well, but I want to tell you what it does not mean. It does not mean 16-year-old Jim running at summer camp to the line to be one of the first in line and somebody saying, well, Jim, you know the first will be last. It's not what it means. It doesn't mean you're going to suffer if you finish first in a race to get your ticket at the movies. Okay? Let me, let me give it to you just a little bit different because it actually does apply in this sense. If we said it like this, but many who look like winners will end up being losers, and many who look like losers will end up being winners. To make a little more sense in an eternal consideration, because that's what Jesus is summarizing when he uses that verse. So it's not about hurrying up to be first in line for food at the cafeteria. All right, if we could show that first picture. So this is about a year ago, and that's me and my family on the left at a Ducks game in a suite. Okay, like, I think the majority of people who go to sporting events don't sit in suites. There's a few suites, there's lots of seats, so I think that's fair, right? We all got to go, we took friends and family. I think the whole night, one night, was about $3,000 at least if we were to pay for that, which I didn't. Um, and it was totally, everything was comp, the food, the beverages, the seats, everything, totally comp. And um, it's because my son was the 21st duck, which is a community liaison. It's a story in itself. If you want to know about it, I'll tell you. It doesn't mean he's on the team. Even though in the top right picture, that night, he got to skate out during the introduction of the players, and he was introduced as the 21st duck. And he's in uniform and everything. Then the ducks sent us in February to All-Star Weekend in Vegas, and that's us down there. That's me and Luke at the game. That's Luke and Trevor Zegris, who was number two in rookie balloting last year um, on the practice rink. Luke got to skate out there with him. And then backstage during the skills competition, Luke was out there and he got to meet John Hamm, who was in Top Gun Maverick, the best movie of 2022 and maybe ever. And um, any of you might see him in the progressive commercials, right? So that's John Hamm. And you might look at that and I, I, if I was sitting out there I would go, how in the world did a pastor at a Baptist church qualify for that? And I just think that's normal for us to wonder how people qualify for the benefits of life. About 12 or 13 years ago, my son Josh was playing club volleyball and this kid Spencer, we knew Spencer and we knew that, you know, they lived in a nice area and whatever, but Spencer invited the team over for a pool party, barbecue kind of thing, and it's gonna be in Cota de Casa. You ever been there? I've never been there. I've seen the sign. I know it's nice. I've met a couple people who live in there. I didn't know anything about it, but if you see the next picture, if you wanna live in Cota de Casa today, you can for $8.8 .8 million, uh, you can live in that house. And houses like this are strewn all through this little valley. Um, my son asks, how do people have these houses? normal natural question he's wondering how people qualify for living in multi-million dollar houses you might wonder why people would ever buy a fifty thousand dollar watch but you're certainly going to wonder why they might qualify for it that's a four million dollar car okay with you if i round up yeah it is right 
So my son, I like cars. I love my car. I don't want a new car. I told you about the Corvette earlier and whatever. I just like cars, right? Okay, is that okay? Some people like Hot Wheels. Some people like flowers. I like cars. I don't want them. I love my car. I got a 2002 Volkswagen Eurovan. Love it. Perfectly happy. I don't want... You could offer me that car. I'd take it and sell it. Okay? So, but my, my son, knowing I love cars, he's at... Uh, he work, he, he uh, valets at the water grill, which is like the fish equivalent of Ruth's Chris. Right? If you've never been, never heard of it. Really swanky, expensive restaurant. And he valets there. And he sends me a picture of one of these cars one day. And he goes, look what I got to drive today. So I said, drove a $4 million car. What's the first question out of my mouth, do you think? Whose car is that? I want to know who qualifies. As it turns out, it was the guy who started the chain of gyms, the UFC gyms. He sold it for tens of millions, hundreds. I don't know how much he sold it for. And now he shows up. Matt says he shows up. And he'll show up in this car. His assistant will take it home and bring a different car for him to drive. A, a, another multi-million dollar car. So, and I guess he's really nice. Recently, my sister-in-law, last month, in fact, my sister-in-law has a workmate who's marrying, uh, who married a, a political lobbyist. This is where they had the wedding. This is an actual picture from the wedding. Of course, there were political figures there. Of course, it was a huge old shindig. One night in the bridal suite, the, 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 the bride and groom, one night, you can get for the discounted rate, because it was $20,000 a night when he went, $17,500 a night. I love hotels. If you give me a credit, a, a, you can give me points for a hotel for next weekend or something, I love hotels. Every hotel I've ever stayed in for my life does not equal $17,000. <laughs> and so like you sit there and you wonder, how does anybody qualify for that? Where does that money come from? How, how do they do that? Not that you want it, it's just a normal, natural query, right? Well, here's a guy, he's curious about something even better than any of the things we've talked about already. He's curious about the kingdom of God. How does anybody and how do I qualify for the kingdom of God? And if you're in church today, you've, you're, you've wondered about it before, you might be wondering about it now. If you're listening online, same thing. We think about the things of God because certainly what matters is how do we qualify for the kingdom? And so I want to talk about this story. It starts in verse 16 with Jesus telling about a man coming, or Matthew telling about a man coming up to Jesus. And I believe he's coming in sincerity. He says, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? He's coming in sincerity. He feels like something's missing in his life where he doesn't qualify. He doesn't know what it is. He believes that it's possible Jesus can tell him. And so he, in sincerity, what can I do to qualify? Jesus answers, and he, why do you ask me about what is good? There's only one who is good. And he's talking about God, and without this guy knowing, as the God-man, he's talking about himself. And he's offering that God-sized goodness as a standard, but he continues and says, there's only one who is good. If you would enter life, keep the commandments. He said to him, which ones? And I thought about that. Why is which ones in there? And like I encourage you to do, I put myself in the situation. And if I asked that question, here's what I would have meant by it. What can I get away with? 
what can I do and still get in while getting away with other stuff? And I think that's kind of what he's getting at when he asks that, even maybe without knowing it. And Jesus goes, you should not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. And you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And if you notice, he leaves out some commandments like have no other gods before me, make no other graven images. The ones that relate directly to God, Jesus has left out of this list. And I think the reason he did that was because it affords the guy to feel like he's achieved keeping these commandments. But really it's a false belief. But he says it in verse 20. He says, all these I've kept what do I still lack? And see, he knows. He knows something missing. What do, what, what do I still lack? And so he may have moved from being sincere to being prideful. Hey, I've kept all of these. And what he's kept, if you notice, like I said, are all the commands that deal with relating to people. Here's the modern day equivalent of what he said, in my opinion. When I've shared Christ with family members, friends, people just curious about what it means to follow Christ and you talk to them about sin you talk to them about how they've missed the standard of perfection that Jesus holds out in front of people which is impossible to realize they will say to you sometimes you know what I've never hurt anybody right isn't that what this guy's saying I haven't committed adultery I haven't murdered I haven't stolen I haven't lied which liar Honored your, you know, I, I haven't, I've always honored my mother and father. I've always loved my neighbor as my, myself. But there's a, you might have caught it. There's a commandment in relating to people that Jesus didn't list. And he's getting ready to emphasize it. The commandment is, you should not covet. Verse 21, Jesus said to him, if you would be perfect, go, sell what you possess and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. And because he's God, Jesus knew. He looked at this guy, and he knew that his possessions, and his standing in the community, and his wealth were more important to him than God. Those things were interfering with his ability to qualify for the kingdom. He, Jesus knew... So, he exposes the rich young ruler's heart. He gives him a chance to follow. Really, that's all he's asking him to do. But because he knew there was a barrier, he pointed out the barrier, and look what it says. When the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. A couple things about that line and what it meant to be rich in that culture. I think we drift this way a little bit, maybe in our culture, but it was way more than a drift in the ancient times. If somebody was rich, if somebody was wealthy, they were, they were thought to have been blessed by God and thereby connected to God. Their wealth was, in that culture, their wealth was an indication that they were in with God. And what this guy is finding out, and he's finding out and it makes him sad, is that he's not in and that his wealth really doesn't make a difference. And that there's other qualifications. And Jesus actually shows the three qualifications 
right there in the passage, but he makes them more clear at the bottom when he explains and teaches the disciples what was going on with this interaction between him and the rich young ruler. So if you come with me into verse 23, it says, And Jesus said to his disciples, Truly I say to you, only with difficulty, and there's another uh, gospel that says it's impossible, but here it says, only with difficulty will a rich person enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter heaven. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished. Why? Because they were poor. And they would see a rich person and think, this guy's with God. He must be with God. He's rich. And again, I don't think we necessarily think that, but that's their perspective. And as the guy, is, as, as Jesus was showing the rich, rich young ruler how someone qualifies for the kingdom, he's getting ready to show them as well. They ask, who then can be saved? Who can qualify for the kingdom of God? Verse 26, but Jesus looked at them and said, with man this is impossible, but with God think all things are possible. He's basically alluding to the fact that your way to salvation is up to God, not you. That's what he was telling the rich young ruler. That's what he's telling these guys. But he goes in deeper. Then Peter said in reply, see, look, we've left everything and followed you. And they did. They left everything. They left their homes. They left their spouses, their kids, their community, their synagogue. They left everything to follow. They truly did. Things that we would have a hard time giving up, they gave up to follow Jesus. What then will we have? Jesus said to them, truly I say to you in the new world, or in the kingdom, when the Son of Man will sit in his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. So his audience right now is 12 guys, and those disciples will sit on thrones ruling with Jesus. But what about us? You may be thinking. Verse 29. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or lands for my name's sake will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last will be first. And so Jesus shows us three things by showing the disciples three things that qualify a person for the kingdom of heaven. The first thing is there will be things to forsake. Verse 27 says, then um, Peter said in reply, see, we have left everything and followed you. What then will we have? They, he asked the richer and ruler to leave behind his covetousness. The thing, that's, the thing that's just a barrier between you and God, he's like, you're gonna have to forsake that thing. Then he says, there's only one person to follow, verse 28. Jesus said to them, truly I say to you in the new world, when the Son of God will sit on his glorious throne, you who have followed me. There's only one person to follow into the kingdom. There's only one way, Jesus said. There's not multiple ways. It's not all good when it comes to who qualifies for the kingdom. It's not this or that religion in 15 different options or 50 different options. It's one way. There's only one way into the kingdom, it's by following Jesus. And though you may forsake things, there's much to gain. So what about for us? Because the question of the day for us in the room isn't, did the rich young ruler qualify for heaven? 
Because I think we hope to see him there, but we don't know. The question isn't, did the disciples qualify for the kingdom? The question of the day is, will you qualify for the kingdom? The question for all of us to consider, for ourselves and in behalf of those we love too, is will we qualify for the kingdom? And so the first truth, there are things to be, to forsake. I thought of some, I listed them. Your own ability to be good enough. The rich young ruler was under the false assumption, the false belief that because he was rich and because he had striven, strived, strove, because he tried really hard to keep the law, that he was good enough. Jesus tells him otherwise. He told him there were things to give up. He told him to give up stuff. Does stuff become become a, a barrier between you and God? Maybe it's relationships. Is there a relationship in your life that, that just, it's a, a distraction. It's something that carries you away. There's a philosophy there. There's, a, there's an invitation into behavior there that takes you away from the things of God. What about this? Because I think this is really a very common one. What about just disappointment? I grew up disappointed with my, my, my family situation, right? Um, I didn't have a dad in the home from the time I was 12 onward. So I'm this athlete, and I'm, a, I'm in junior high, and I'm in high school, and I'm, I'm, I'm needing good male role models and good male influence, and I'm not finding it in my home because it's just not there, and my dad was, you know, 300 miles away. And it was hard. And I, I, and I can stand here today and say, before I came to Christ, it was a major barrier for me coming to Christ. And even though I might not have said these words out loud, my disappointment about that was really disappointment with God. It was like I was saying, God, how could you do this to me? You ever think that way? You ever have a disappointment with God where it becomes a barrier? I think it's okay to ask God questions. It's when it becomes a resistance to relate to him. And we're, life's full of disappointments. There's disappointments at work. There might be disappointment at home, disappointment with friends, maybe even God. And can I just encourage you to release those? That it's worth it to forsake those tethers on your soul. And as I thought about that list and anything else I could put in there, really at least in my experience, and you can disagree with this, I think the number one thing, though, that, that just interferes with us really qualifying for the kingdom, really paying attention to God, really making it a priority, is thinking that we have deserved or earned or inherent rights. Like, I think I have a right to peace. I want to come home at the end of the day and I just want peace. And when I don't get it, because sometimes there's dishes to be done or cooking to be helped with or any number of things that might come up, I, 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 I might not express it out, but internally I'm going, man, can't I just sit and watch the ducks or something, you know? I want peace. Sometimes I know I, I've been, I can catch myself wondering, comparing, not that I want a, a $4 million car, <clears throat> or an $8 million house, but just, you know, wishing life was a little bit better for me. 
why can't I have what they have? Why can't, why can't I have been 6'7 and made it into the NBA? That, that was my childhood dream. And it, so it might be peace, it might be prosperity, it might be power, it might be prestige. What do you think you deserve that you're not getting, you kind of been ripped off? Man, that'll just get in the way of you and God. It will get in the way. And then there's only one person to follow. There's so many theories and philosophies and religions, and it's not all religious. There's, there's just human, like the lie that if you lived in an $8 million house, your life would be better. You know that's a lie, right? If you had a $4 million car, if you could afford the $17,000 a night hotel, your life would be better. There's all kinds of things to trick us into thinking that life was be, would be better. The, the rich young ruler was tricked into believing that what he had was better than God. Jesus is saying it's not better, follow me. Because there's much to gain. I don't know much about heaven. <clears throat> the Bible intentionally does not tell us about heaven. It says that it would be too, too hard for us to understand, too hard to fathom. It would overwhelm us. But I know this about heaven, it'll be good. I know this about heaven, it'll be better than here. Jesus says to these people, a hundred times better. Now a hundred was a huge number in Jesus' day. They didn't have, they might have millions, but they, they, they called big crowds legion. In other words, too big to count. But we have millions and billions and trillions. So I think if Jesus was telling this instruction today, he would say a heaven is a billion times better. So it would impress us, so we would understand. It's awesome, and it's worth whatever you can give up here to gain that. It's a billion times better, and it's forever. We know there's streets of gold. We know there's pearly gates. That's nothing compared to the fullness of the reality of how awesome it is. So if you look at this last picture, when we went to All-Star Weekend, how did Jim qualify? I really didn't. My son asked all the brothers, he's got four, and all his friends, and none of them could go because of scheduling. So that's how I got to go. Nobody else can go. <laughs> and, what, and what I got to experience in one weekend was a charter flight with two professional hockey players from our favorite team, the Ducks, a fun video shoot with the Ducks. I wasn't in it, but I got to watch and participate, and, and it was a hoot. Um, we had a three-night stay in one of the best hotels in all of Las Vegas, the Win. We got to play top golf with the Ducks players. Um, let's see, John Gibson and Troy Terry, that was hilarious. Uh, I got to follow my son into the locker room on uh, skate-around day, got to watch him skate with pro players. Um, I got to go to the All-Star Weekend press conference where all the heroes of the NHL were in there. I got to watch uh, the skills competition, free ticket. My son was on the ice during it. I got to go to the all-star game, free ticket. I got to go to the all-star game after party. How in the world did I qualify? I already told you, I didn't. Here's how I got in. I followed my son. He qualified. And the only way I could get in was to follow my son. And believe me, I was trailing him all over the place. I wanted to go. <laughs> It's like, come on, Dad. Like, we're getting on the plane. I'm right behind him. Where, like, I, all I did was follow him. 
I, I think I made one choice the whole weekend, like where we were going to eat dinner. Everything else was follow him. And it's the same in our experience when it comes to how do we qualify for the kingdom? You can't be good enough. You can't be rich enough. You can't be popular enough. You can't be powerful enough. The only way any of us make it in is to follow the son. And that's what he says to us all through this passage. He told the rich young ruler, follow three times. He told the disciples one time, follow, 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 follow. We have to follow Jesus. It's the only way in. And I think the temptation is to hear me say that and think about a time where if you have known Jesus at all for very long, if you've followed him, to look at a time where you crossed the line of faith and you became a believer and it might feel like this way of qualification changes after a few years. It doesn't. If you know Jesus... There's probably something in your life today that if you want to qualify to follow him, if you want to have the experience of what it means to be close to Jesus, to experience life with Jesus, you might have something in your life to forsake right now today. And you have a lot of choices in your life. You can choose riches. You can choose career. You can choose relationships. You can choose disappointment. Because some people are ruled by their disappointment. Or you can let that stuff go and follow Jesus. We don't have the full experience of heaven, but we have the experience of the abundant life of Jesus Christ right here, right now. So if you would bow your heads and close your eyes with me, and if I could just get you to think and ponder about where you stand in your relationship with Jesus Christ today, I believe that the Spirit of God is active when the Word is preached and that when we talk about some of the hard things of life, like what it is that we might need to forsake, that, that the voice of the Spirit quietly whispers to us and says, you need to let go of this. And letting go might be as simple as a prayer, dear God, I've, I've let this distract me. I give it over to you. It might be a step of restoration where you need to go talk to somebody and, and ask their forgiveness. I, I don't know, but however the Spirit of God has spoken to you about what you might need to forsake today, would you just invite him to take that away? And if it's hard for you, like it was for the rich young ruler, would you ask for him to give you the strength to let go of it? And if you've yet to totally follow Jesus, you're not a Christ follower, you can pray the same prayer. God, this, this world is, is holding me down. I, I need your help to let go of it. Do you look at your own life and say, you know what, I am, I'm fully committed to following Jesus, that even though I may struggle, nothing else matters more to me than following you. If not, that's another thing. Invite him. Invite him to be your one thing. Because there's only one person to follow into the kingdom. And again, this world can get so distracting, but we have a hope in heaven that's rooted in the promises of God and the description of heaven that is at least a hundred times better than here. If you're in the room this morning and Jesus is not yet your Savior, you haven't crossed the line of faith. You would stand with the rich young ruler and say, 
I'm, I'm, I'm sorrowful because I'm not confident that I qualify. But you want to cross that line of faith. You can pray a prayer right after me that goes like this. You can say, Dear Jesus, I know where I stand today and I don't qualify. I have things in my life, I have sin that keep me from you. Forgive me. I choose to follow you today. And Jesus, we are just, we are astounded by how awesome you are. Personally, I love how the Bible is something we can relate to so well, even though it's 2,000 years old. This story jumps right into our century and we can relate to it. And then I just thank you for how accessible you are, how you are calling out to people to follow you. And for anybody in the room who chooses to do so, I, I, I just pray that their faith would be whole here today, that they would just devote themselves to following you. And God, we're just we're thankful for your, your involvement in our lives that we know we don't deserve. We thank you for a heaven that's waiting for us that is so many multiplied times better than what we experience here, even though here is, is nice. And, and we just go in the hope of experiencing you every day on this earth into eternity. Thanks for everything you do so in Jesus' name.